last time I taught, I taught, uh, must have been like a little over, little over a month ago, um, and I taught on uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, which was at the time that Solomon was granted or given great wisdom by our Lord and Savior, okay, by God. Like, you know, the God came to Solomon in a dream, and, and uh, that, was a, that was just a, a study there in itself as far as the, the, the rise of Solomon. Solomon started out, you know, just like a, like a, like a chart way up here. And then tonight, what we're going to do is the title for this message is going to be The Rise and the Fall of Solomon. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of combination of both of kind of kind of talk a little bit of what I spoke about last time and then also kind of uh, irradiate a little bit more about his fall, about what caused him to fall. And the question to kind of keep in the back of your mind as well too is, can it happen to us? Okay, can some of this happen to us? Can we, can we backslide? Can we fall back? Can we walk away from the Lord, you know, if we don't keep up with his statutes and, and, his, and his commandments? So before we get started, let's go ahead and pray for our pastors. Let's go ahead and pray for the, for the missions trip as well, and then we'll get right into our study. So let's go ahead and pray, guys. Father God, we just thank you so much for allowing us to gather here today to be able to glorify your name and just give you all the glory and honor and praise for everything you do for us. For the praise and worship team that, that just lifted up their voices to you, Heavenly Father, and we just thank you so much that they're able to fill in for, for the time that, that we have here, Lord, Heavenly Father. And we also just want to lift up all the pastors that, that went out to California this week, Heavenly Father, for the conference, that they were able to get the rest that they needed, but most importantly, to be able to re get rejuvenated in, 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 in your word, Heavenly Father, to get back on fire, Lord Jesus, and just to be able to, to come back with, with, uh, with the stories and, and the testimonies that they might have heard from some some of the other speakers out there, Heavenly Father. We just lift them up to you and that you bring them back to us at the appropriate time, Heavenly Father. Some are going to be back either tomorrow or tonight, or some are going to be back for the weekend, Heavenly Father. But we just lift them all up to you, that you watch over them, that you be with them, and their families as well, Lord Jesus. And we just also want to lift up the mission trip to Ahaklan uh, and Veracruz, Heavenly Father, for all the men and women that are going to be going out there, Heavenly Father, that you just have your hedge of protection on the entire team, Lord Jesus, that you be with them, Heavenly Father, and that you just fill each and every one of the team members with the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, that they may be able to do the work that needs to be done out there, Lord Jesus, as far as evangelizing or even helping out with the VBS, Heavenly Father, or, or just even passing out some water, Lord Jesus. And we just lift up that team, Heavenly Father, that you take them out there safely, Lord Jesus, and just bring them back to us uh, safely as well, Lord Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for this time of study that we get ready to do, Heavenly Father, and that you continue to be with us in this place, Lord Jesus, and we just bring every trial and tribulation that we might have today, Heavenly Father, and we just set it down before your throne of grace, that you may be able to take care of everything, Lord Jesus. And, and when we leave this place, Heavenly Father, that we don't have no worries, Heavenly Father, just to be able to go home and just get a, a good night's rest, Heavenly Father, and to be able to start the day again tomorrow, Lord Jesus. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just love you and thank you and praise you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. Okay, so... The rise and the fall of Solomon. You know, be, last time I taught, you know, I was talking to Pastor Sean about it, and I said, well, when they asked me that if I could do a teaching for tonight, I said, well, I guess I have to think about what the next study is going to be about. And he just kind of put it in my heart and said, well, he goes, you already did the rise of, of Solomon. Why don't you just do the fall of Solomon? And I was like, well, well you know, let me see what I can put something together here and, 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 and see what we can do, you know, because with Solomon, you know, we look at this type of person, we look, we look at Solomon as the king that could do no wrong, okay? 
He was the king that, that could do no wrong. He was, he was put up on top of here by David, but not, not only by David, but the Lord also said that, that Solomon was going to be the next king of Israel. Okay? You know, so per perhaps no man began with more promise than Solomon did. Yet a, be uh, a good beginning does not mean a good finish. You know, Solomon drifted and, and defected. Question you need to ask yourself and ask you to ask yourself this earlier is can this happen to us? Can we drift? Can we defect? Can we backslide when it comes to being a, a faithful Christian? You know, you just, you just put that on the back of your mind, and then as we go through the study, you know, we're going to be talking about some items about what Solomon did right and what he did wrong, okay? In the first 10 chapters of 1 Kings, Solomon was literally the, the, the king who could, who could do no wrong. If we, if we go and did just a study on these first 10 chapters, last time we only did a, a study on one chapter, you know, if we start from the beginning, you know, Solomon was made king. David appointed him as king, and the reason David had appointed him as king is because the Lord told David that the next king of Israel, after you die, after you pass away, is going to be Solomon. So that's the a, that's a number one thing that he had going for him right there. He was going to be the next king of Israel. The next thing is Solomon established his rules. You know, his dad told him, you know, as, as, as you start your own administration, you know, you need, you need a clean house. You need to get, get rid of some of these people. You need to appoint some of these people. And you need to have these people on your side. And you need to exile these other people. So he established his own rules within the kingdom already. And then the other thing is, he is given wisdom. You know, the Lord came to him in the first dream. And the Lord asked him, you know, what do you want? Ask and I will give you anything you wanted. And the only thing that, that Solomon asked for was for wisdom. So the Lord granted him the wisdom, and he judged wisely. You know, we also saw at that time that two harlots came to him before, before him, and they were like, you know, one of them had slept on top of her, on top of her child, and, and, and it had died. So she took the, the child from the other woman, and, and then the woman was like, no, that's my child. You know, and the other one was like, how can you prove this? So we're like, well, we'll just take it before the king. So Solomon judge made a call right then and there that the true mother came out from that, from that, uh, from that judgment there. Okay? And people heard, people all over Israel, people all outside of Israel heard about this, about this great king, about the great wisdom that he had. So the other thing that, that, that we had as far as what he did is, and we probably look at this as probably one of his major accomplishments that he did was that he built the temple. Okay, if you remember at the beginning, you know, when, when David was out uh, doing his battles, fighting his wars and everything, that David wanted to give something back to the Lord. So David wanted to build a temple for the Lord. So when it came time for that, the Lord was like, I'm sorry, David, you know, you've got way too much blood on your hands, so you can't build this temple. But guess what? Your son, your son, Solomon, is going to build this temple for me. But you're still going to have a hand in this. David still had a hand in building his temple. He went out and he gathered all the material. He gathered all the wood. He gathered all the workers. He gathered everybody that needs to be involved with uh, building the temple for him. And at, the, and at the end, also, the last thing that, that, that Solomon did was when, when uh, I, I guess you could call it, you know, cutting the ribbon, you know, to open up the grand opening for the, for the temple, as he gave this beautiful blessing to the Lord as far as, as the Lord to be able to reside in this temple here. But, this, but, the, but his fatal disease, one fatal disease that happened to him was sin. What caused this tragic death in Solomon's life? 
In a word, it was compromise. All his compromises led to a king with an empty heart and a, torn, and a, and a, and a kingdom torn apart. You know, compromises is the acceptance of lower than desirable standards. Compromise is sin and double-mindedness. When we look at the book of Matthew in chapter 6, verse 24, it says that no one can serve two masters, for neither he will hate, for neither he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will, he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon in the verses here, if you're looking at your Bible, it's spelled as M-A-M-M-O-N. Now, you're probably thinking, well, what is mammon? Okay, so when we're looking at this, we're looking at this, and if you look at the beginning, it's talking about money and possessions. And it's talking about mammon as being as far as riches, what you have, you know, how much money you make, how many cars you have, how big is your house. This is the things that you cannot do. And at the same time, you either want love one or you're not going to love the other, and vice versa here. So this is exactly what started to happen with Solomon here. As far as, he, he, yeah, he did start great. We look, look at all his accomplishments that, had, that he did in the first 10 chapters of 1 Kings, of everything that he did, but the main thing, the main part, and we'll talk about that here later on, is how he, he drew away from the Lord, okay? And in James, in, in, in James chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So we see this as far as how we draw close to God. If we have that relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if we're talking about that right now, if we look at our lives, you know, a lot of us are saying, you know, when we, when, when we talk about our testimonies, you know, a lot of us are like, you know, back in our B.C. days, you know, we're talking about, you know, drugs, alcohol, or prostitution, whatever the case is. You know, we, it, it's all about what we did in our past. And the, what's so wonderful about this is that God doesn't look at that. He does not look at what we did wrong. He's always looking as far as having our entire heart, having our whole heart. As long as, we're, as long as we're doing what we're doing as far as reading the Bible, uh, being, being a faithful Christian, or even just being a humble servant, you know, whether it's, it's high, out here in the foyer, you know, greeting somebody to come in and welcome them and handle them the, uh, uh, a, a bulletin, whatever the case is. You know, it, it doesn't have to be that somebody has to, we have to be up here and doing the teachings. Whatever it is that we're out there, whether it's picking up trash around the church, whether it's cutting the grass, whatever the case is, you know, that's what the Lord wants us to do. And it also states in James chapter 4, verse 8, says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double Again, drawing closer to God here as far as how we are to approach our life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How is it that we are to put all these things forth, and how is it that we're going to accomplish them? When Jesus came, when Jesus went up to the, to the cross and gave his life for us and stuff, you know, he not only gave it to just a couple of people. He didn't just give it just to the apostles that were there. He gave it to every single one of us that are sitting here, okay? Just like it says in John 3.16, you know, For God so loved the world that he gave his only one begotten son, okay? Who, whoever, not, not just, you know, you, you, or you, whoever, which means everybody, okay? 
In Galatians 2, verses uh, 4 and 5, you know, it talks about Paul, it, this talks about Paul, and this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. You know, we're, this is what we're talking about when Paul had gone back to Jerusalem and, and he was talking to the prophets and he wanted to make sure that they were teaching the right gospel, that they weren't, you know, doing the false, the false gospels or teaching the, the wrong thing here, okay? Compromises cause God's people to be uncertain and, faith, and, faithless, and faith, faithless, excuse me, sorry. First King chapter 18, verse 21, it states that, and Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. And it seems like here that they, they were confused. It's like, so who do we follow? What is it that we need to do? You know, this is, he, this is the time that he went up and he contested up on, on, Mount, on, Mount, on Mount Carmel. You know, they were all up there and stuff. And he's like, he tells them straight up, who is it you're going to follow? You need to make your mind up. If not, these are the consequences that you're going to pay. This is what's going to happen if you don't follow the right person. So they, they were, they were kind of like struck back and not f trying to figure out what's going on with them. So when one compromises, the heart is turned away from God, and one, and one no longer will stand forcefully for the truth. Sin and error cannot be met by a soft approach. Sin and error cannot be met by a soft approach. Every morning, every day when we get up, and as soon as we walk out that door, as soon as we walk out these doors from this church right here, from this place, we become the number one target. We automatically have a target right on, right on our chest. If we don't have the full armor of God, which I'm going to read to you right now, guess what? We become a victim there, okay? We cannot be soft in any approach in this. In Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 10 through 17, it talks about the whole armor of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shone your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with you with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This, this verse, this particular verses, we should have that implanted in our mind. We should have that implanted into our heart. It seems like whenever one of the pastors up here, whether it's Pastor Charlie, whether it's Pastor Sean, whether it's Pastor Tom, they, it seems like they're always hidden on target with this right here, to be able to have the whole armor of God on us, whenever we go out into the world.
Because like I said before, once we go out into that world, it, it's, 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 no, it's an all holes, no holes barge out there. And especially the way things are going right now, the way things are happening out there in the world, we don't know what's gonna happen from one day to the next. You know, as far as being verbally abused by somebody, physically abused by somebody, or whatever the case is, you know, somebody trying to, trying to harm a particular Christian because of their faith and because of their belief. So when we do this, we gotta make sure that we have everything on us as far as what they're talking about here, as far as having the full armor of God on us and stuff. So we're gonna be looking at four crucial areas here that, that, that Solomon compromised his life, all steaming from one, from one, uh, from one sin, which is compromise. The first one we're gonna be looking at is he compromised his wisdom. You know, God blessed Solomon with great wisdom. Just like I said before, when we looked, when we looked at chapter 3 in 1 Kings, it talked about uh, that Solomon had, uh, had uh, the Lord had come, I mean, Sol that the Lord had come to Solomon in a dream, and he asked him what he wanted. So we're looking at this part right here, that after Solomon had asked him, all I want is wisdom to be able to judge your people. So when we look at 1 Kings chapter 3, 11 to 14, it stays, it says then, then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there was, that there, so that there has been, there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my words, and to keep my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. One thing we look at in this particular verse is, if you look at the last verse in verse 14, where it says, so if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments <clears throat> as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. If we look at the entire first 10 chapters of 1 Kings, it seems like this is something that the Lord is really, really stressing to Solomon. If you walk in my ways and if you keep your statues, guess what? Everything is going to come true for you. Everything is going to be blessed fourfold for you. I'm going to bless you constantly. All right? So keep this in mind. And, and there's going to be several times throughout the throughout this study where I'm going to be repeating this. And it seems like, especially when the Lord keeps repeating it, it it's a message that he's trying to tell you, right? Something that he's trying to say, you know what? You need to get a hold of this. You know, so for a while, he used his wisdom in a very useful way. He started out great. He used his wisdom to be able to judge the people. You know, and, and, and like I said at the beginning, that he used his wisdom to be able to judge his people, to be able to help out the two harlots to start, start to figure out, figure out whose son he actually was. Because you remember toward the end of that chapter is like, Solomon was like, okay, well, we're going to figure this out. Bring me the baby and then bring me a sword. So we're going to cut this baby in half and you're going to take half and you're going to take the other half. Of course, when the true mother of the child heard this, 
And of course, I'm pretty sure as soon as she saw that sword, she was like, you know what? No. I would rather my child live with her than for the child to be dead. And of course, right then and there, Solomon was like, this is the true mother right here. This is the true mother. So this is the child that, that needs to go with the mother here. So that's one of the things that we're talking about is as how he was helping the Lord as far as him judging the people of, of, of Israel. You know, and, and this, this is kind of like an, like an oxymoron here as far as what we're saying. But Solomon soon became a wise fool, okay? A wise fool. His problem began when he intermarried with heathen women who worshiped idols and turned away his heart. If we look at 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, it states, <clears throat> But Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonian, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Solomon clung to this in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. So that's number one already the start of the downfall of Solomon was his women because the Lord specifically told not only the kings, but he also told all the people of Israel that you are not to intermarry with any women, okay, from other nations, okay. So here we have is... <clears throat> Wisdom is using knowledge to make good decisions. The wisdom of God is a precious commodity. If we look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. The entire purpose of Proverbs is basically for this right here. Okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. When we look at this right here, when we look at this verse, you know, we, we, we always hear about a lot of people that, you know, they, they're always talking about taking verses out of content. They pick a particular verse, you know, they don't look what's above it, they don't look what's below it, they just focus on that, on one, that one little verse and they abide by that verse, okay? You know, this is what the Bible says. So they're stuck on that verse, but it's like, yo, brother and sister, need to read what's above it and what's below it. You got to read the entire content before you start, you know, taking that verse out of content and stuff. You know, it can be obtained from asking the Lord and studying his will. In James chapter 1, verse 5, we're talking about faith and endurance here. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ask, and it will be given to you. And it, it, doesn't say, it says, right, it doesn't say only ask for a little bit. Ask for a lot. Ask for a lot, and it's going to be given to you. And also in Psalms 119, verse 66, it says, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. You know, it's so wonderful about what the Word of God, the way it it, it, it it talks to us if we read the entire chapter, not just focus on a particular verse here. And with Solomon, you know, going back to Solomon as far as, as the women, we're talking about, okay, 1,000 women here, okay? Not one, 1,000, okay? One, he had 999 
too many women that he needed to, that he needed to please, okay? Not one, but he had 1,000. So, I mean, where did he find the time? Where did he find the time to talk to these women? Where did he find the time to fellowship with these women? When we're talking about his different types of women that he had in his life, we're talking about, of course, the daughter of Pharaoh. Where does the daughter of Pharaoh come up from? Egypt. What is Egypt? Egypt is what? The world, right? And then we're talking about women, women of the Moabites, women of the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, and the Hittites. We're talking about all women that are not, that are not of the faith. Okay? And we're going to get into that here in a little bit as far as how they really got Solomon to turn away from the Lord. You know? What fools are we? when we allow something to turn our hearts away from God. You know, it, it, when it talks about this particular chapter, it's talking about the temple of the living God. We, we as his children are his living temple, each and every one of us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, it states, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That first verse right there, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And, and what accord has Christ with Baal? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what argument has the temple, and what argument has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch that is what is unclean, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Right here is a commandment as far as how the Lord is telling us to be. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You know, I'm pretty sure at one time or another, you know, whether it was a, a wife, a husband, one the believer, not the believer. And in my case, I was the non-believer, brother. I'm telling you, my wife prayed for me for, I don't know, ump years, 30-some-odd years, okay? She prayed for me because every time she would start talking about the Bible, every time she would start talking about the Lord, it was like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But guess what? Her countless praying for me, she did not stop. She did not stop. She prayed for me each and every day. She prayed for me until that day. Because, I mean, it's one of those deals where when we first came to church, sitting in the back, had my arms crossed, they didn't want to be there. I just wanted to satisfy her. But guess what? Each Sunday that we would come to church, my arms just started to drop. It started to drop. And when that happened, guess what? The Lord took a hold of me. Took a hold of me. Never let go. And guess what? I ain't never letting go either, brothers. Never letting go. And the thing to see that I always look back on this is I always see myself sitting in the back. I always see, think about all the things that I've done in the past, you know, before I came to the Lord. And it's like, God, how could you take me? How could you take this person as much sin that I've committed? But just by reading the scriptures in the Bible, God doesn't care. 
You know, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't care what you did in the past. He just wants your whole heart. You know, and during, during that time, you know, as far as, I just, I, I remember this so clearly that the, the first men's retreat we went to, and it was in, in, up there by Carlsbad, New Mexico, at Black River Retreat. Uh, I think I remember seeing some of the guys here that went to this, and, and it was such a peaceful place out there that I just stayed out there in the mornings, get up in the mornings, and, and, and just read the Bible and stuff. And then, and then during, one of our, during one of the times that they, they were praying and stuff, you know, it's just like, I, I guess it, must, it had to have been the Lord. You know, the Lord just picked me up and said, you know what, you need to go up to the front. You need to go up to the front, ask for prayer, and you need to receive me into your life. From that day forward, when that happened, I have not looked back at all. Looking forward in everything that I have done, looking forward in everything that the Lord has in plan for me. What he has in store for me, I have no idea. I just want to be his humble servant. I just want to do whatever the Lord wants me to do in his life, whether it's up here teaching, whether it's out there, you know, protecting the, the, the parking lot, whatever it is, I am, I am just a humble servant. And this is one of the things as far as what, of course, you know, Solomon did start this correctly. He started right. He had the Lord in his life. But again, you know, if we look at it, 1,000 women, he was unevenly yoked here, and they started to pull him away from his life. And the second compromise that we're going to be looking at is he compromised his conduct. You know, at first Solomon had a close walk with the Lord. He built a temple and dedicated it to the Lord. You know, when, if we look at those chapters, there's a couple of chapters where it talks about the entire preparation of the temple as far as how much preparation was, done, was, was taking place as far as what needed to be done, what material needed to be t uh, 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 collected, how much stone needed to be collected, how it was going to be cut. So at the end, if I'm not mistaken, I think it, it took about 13 years, 13 years to build the temple, about 13 years. So that's how long it actually took to build the temple. And at the end, he did this beautiful dedication to the Lord. And if we look at it, 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 14 through 21, you know, this is the speech that he gave at the completion of the work of the temple. Verse 14, then the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel. While all the assembly of Israel was standing, and he said, Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to my father David, and with his hand has fulfilled it, saying, Since that day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my, that my, that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people, Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of our Lord God of Israel. But the Lord, but the Lord said to my father David, whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son will come from your body. He shall build the temple for my name. So the Lord had fulfilled his word which he spoke, and I have fulfilled the position of my father David, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. And I have built a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel, and there I have made a place for the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. This was such a beautiful blessing, such a beautiful speech that he gave before all of Israel and just pretty much to, to open up the doors and say, Lord, you may dwell in your house forever. 
this is your home. You can dwell here whenever you like. He did this and at the time when he was actually following the Lord real closely and stuff, okay? So God continued to remind him of the importance of, of a daily walk with him. You know, God told him what he needed to do to receive his blessings. In 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 4 through 9, it states, Now you will walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgments, again, he says it in a different way, but he's still saying it. If you keep my statutes and my judgment, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, you go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house which I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all people, all peoples. And as for this house which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be, a, will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? Then they will answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, they, they brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought them out of calamity on them. At the beginning, you know, this is, he needed to do these things. Solomon needed to do these things so he could have the throne forever, okay? This is what the Lord told him. Again, if you keep my statutes and you keep my commandments and my judgment, you're going to have this. You're going to have this throne. I'm going to establish this for you for your entire life. But then he throws in that but. Okay? He throws that in there and he tells them, you know, it, but if you fail, but if you fail to have a man on the throne of Israel, but if your sons, if anybody within your family, within your generations, if you turn your back on me, this is what's going to happen. When, this is, when the Lord is saying this to Solomon, you figured that this would be the bright light that comes up in Solomon and says, you know what? I need to walk that straight line. I need to continue to, to be able to keep his statutes, his commandments, and go forth, and I'm still going to have this throne. But no, we're going to see what happens to him. Well, we're already starting to see what's happened to him, and we're talking about 1,000 women in his life. Yet his greatest error and compromise was with his marriages. An Israelite was not to marry a foreigner, but Solomon had many, but Solomon had married many. If we look at the, uh, the book of Deuteronomy in chapter seven, you know, it talks about the chosen people in verses one through four, and it starts out and it says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Gershites and the Amorites and the Canaanites, and the Parasites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them or show mercy to them. No shall you make marriages to them. Key point right here. You shall nor make marriages with them. You shall now give your, you shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. 
for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and you destroyed you suddenly. So again, here, even from the beginning of time, even from the, from the, from the Pentateuch here, we're talking about that these are the commandments, these are the rules, these are the laws that the people should be following. The consequences that's going to happen if they, if they don't follow these rules. Okay? And we're already starting to see that with Solomon. You know, in, in some commentaries, you know, when you, when you look up the study on this, as far as Solomon, as far as the women turning his heart away from him, you know, at, at one point, they didn't, they didn't even want him to get up out of bed, okay? So what they did is they kind of made his room into this dark room and, and kind of like painted it real dark and put stars all around it to make it look like it was still night outside. So every time he would open up his eyes, it was dark. And guess what? Time to go back to sleep. So that was one way of them you know, turning already his heart because they didn't want him to go out and, and do the, the, the kingly duties that he needed to do here. So he had not found one good woman among a thousand. His problem was that he, the problem was that he was around the wrong kind of woman. These evil women were the cause of his downfall, all right? And of course, we're talking about at the beginning, you heard me say that these were heathen women. Now we're talking about the, that these were evil women were the cause of his downfall. And even Nehemiah has something to say about this because he uses this as a reference when he's talking to the people. In Nehemiah 13, verse 26, it states, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there, were, there was no king like him who was beloved of his king, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused him to sin. And here we're talking about it is Nehemiah is even, if Nehemiah even knows about it, okay? Even using it as a reference. You need to walk before God in freshness of life. You know, when we're talking about sin, power is broken. In Romans 6 verse, verse 4, it states that, Therefore we were burned with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ had raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Whenever we receive our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into our lives, okay, we leave that past in the back, in the, in the past, okay? Of course, we still have it in our back of our minds, and we still use that as our testimony. I always say this to all the guys when we have our study, that is your testimony. Nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can tell you that, well, no, this is how you live. Yeah, this is how I live, but guess what? I have been refreshed. I have been renewed by receiving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, that begins with someone obeying the gospel and becoming a Christian. And we're talking about the resurrection as far in, in Mark chapter 16, verse, verse 16, that he who believes that is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. There's always, I've had people, you know, when, whenever they have the, the baptisms at, uh, uh, when the church does have the baptisms, they go out to the swimming pool, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the new believers is like, brother, you know, I, I've committed a lot of sin. I said, okay, you know, hopefully you've repented of it, and that's why you're here today. How long do you think they're going to hold me down for the amount of sin I've committed? Like, no, it don't work that way, brother. You know, it's like, you know, just because you had a long list of sins that you have doesn't mean that they're going to hold you down for X amount of minutes for you because of all your sins, okay? 
It's just one of those things where we become refreshed, we become renewed in life, that we go forth and we serve God in whatever aspects that he has for us, okay? And the third compromise that we're going to be looking at is he, comp he compromised his worship. He compromised his worship. Solomon did not fully follow the Lord. If we look at this in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 5 through 8, we're talking about pagan gods that he's starting to worship already. These are the women that, big, that bring in their gods into his home, and this is what happened. So Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moad, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Not only did he intermarry with non-believers, but he also started praising, worshiping their gods. You know, when we look at, the, when we look about, when we talk about as far as Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, when you read about this particular pagan god, it talks about child sacrifice. This is a god that you bring forth your child so you can sacrifice to him. You know, what kind of a god is that? And then we're also looking about Chemosh, a destroyer, a subduer, a fish god. Cast out your reel, bring him in, you know, fry him up. You know, that's about you can do with him. You know, back in, back in, uh, in, in, the, in the study of, uh, of Samuel, it talks about a different god. It talks about um, the god of Dragon, Dragon, okay? And he was also another fish god, okay? And, and uh, remember that time that we did a study in the men's Bible study, and, and it talks about that they brought, the, they brought the, the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant, and they brought it, and they sat it next to, the, uh, to this pagan god, this statue they had there. Well, they sat, they, sat the, they sat the Ark of the Covenant right next to him. The next morning they come over, this god is toppled over. He's toppled over. Whose work was that? God is like, that was the Lord. Get this thing out of here, you know? This is, this is just a pagan god. And this is exactly what started to happen with, with, uh, with Solomon. Not only did he intermarried with non-believers, he was unevenly yoked, but then he started worshiping with their gods, with their pagan gods, and then he started building temples for them, okay, for all their wives. You know, one of them come up and say, hey, I need a temple for my God. Would you build it for him? Of course, you know. He built, he was, he built a temple in 13 years, and then he built palaces and, and, and a summer vacation for himself another seven years, so that's 20 years. So he, he knew all the ins and outs as far as building, so why not build uh, temples for the, for the women so they can burn incense and sacrifice to their gods there? He even, like I said, he even built pagan worship centers. No wonder God was angry with him. He started building, he started building all these things for him, and God was angry for him. He was mad. God alone is to be the sole subject, the sole object of our worship. We are not to worship other gods. We are not to worship other things. In Matthew 4, in Matthew 4 verse 10, it states, and it's talking about the temptation of Jesus here. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, 
You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. We are only to serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can't be worshiping other things in our lives. He will not accept second best. We had better be very certain that we do not fall down to the gods of the 21st century. And there are so many out there today, as far as the TV, the internet, our cell phones. Oh my goodness, cell phones. We walk with cell phones right here, everywhere we go. If we leave our cell phone at home, we're lost. We can't be without that cell phone. It's attached to it somewhere. It's like, well, where's my, where's my cell phone? We can't be without it. Computers, the internet, there's just so much out there on that internet right now as far as fake news, fault news, pornography, porn, everything that's out there. Those are the things that, that, that we do not want to fall down to. So many fall down and worship the God of material possessions. When one commits himself to the acquisition of wealth and makes that top priority, he will fall into the worship of money and be separated from God. You know, we all want that. We all want to win the lottery. But we don't buy a ticket. How come I don't win? Well, you got to buy a ticket, you know? <laughs> Lord, the Lord's going to give me the money. And it's like, well, no, it don't work that way, brother. So it's like we can't do that. You know, we can't have that money and also, you know, have like the big houses, all the cars, five-car garage, whatever it is, and come up, pull it onto a church, into a limousine, and get dropped off. No, it don't work that way. You know, and it's like some fall down. You know, and worship the God of personal relationships. Sometimes one must choose between a, boy, a boyfriend and a girlfriend and serving God. You know, it's like with, with today's world, you know, the generation nowadays, it's, it seems like that's what, that's what they're all into. As far as, oh, my girlfriend, I, I need to be with her all the time. Or my boyfriend, I need to be with him all the time and stuff. So these are the things that we need to put. What is our priority? You know, where do we need to put, draw that line as far as who's going to come first? And in everything that we do, we want God to be first. You know, last time I talked about this is, as far as, you know, we have a tendency to put God in a box. You know, whenever we need him. Whenever something happens, Lord, why, something disastrous happens, you know, or you lose your job, it's like, God, why did this happen to me? Why did you allow this to happen to me? Well, guess what? Let me break God out of that box. Let him pray for, I'll pray for God. Let the Lord pray for me. Have his blessing upon me. And then after that, it's put him away. And, when, and then when the Lord does bless you with that new job or whatever it is that you're praying for, who takes the credit for it? We do. We don't give the glory to God. It's like, oh, yes, I got a new job. Thank you. We should, play, we should be saying, praise the Lord. The Lord provided me with another job. He provided with him another opportunity to be able to serve him in another place. But no, we want to keep him in that box only when we need him. Others fall down and worship the God of family relationships. They think more highly of a relative than they do uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we all, we all have that, you know, that, that, uh, that, that uncle, that brother. It's like, all right, he's, he's the best dude to hang around with. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll buy me everything that I need or he'll do everything for me and stuff. You know, it's, and it's also it's good to have those kind of relationships, but we can't put him first. We can't put them first before God. We must make sure that we worship him in spirit and in truth. And we're talking about God here is that we need to build that. When he will not accept second best. He will not take that. Okay? 
And we must make sure that we worship him in spirit and in truth. And in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 24, and he's talking about Jesus and the Samaritan woman. You know, and she, he, tells her, he tells her, God is spirit, and those who worship, worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? This means exercising great care in following the New Testament pattern. We're talking about what's happening now. We have that new covenant. Back in the Old Testament, before, before, God, before Jesus went up to the cross, they had that covenant. Once the Lord was put on the cross, now we have a new covenant, a different covenant, a different set of rules that we need to follow, a different set of commandments that we need to follow here. So when we do this, we need to make sure that we do this and worship him in the spirit and in truth. And finally, our fourth compromise is he compromised his influence. Solomon was a bad example before an unbelieving world. Instead of him, influ instead of him influencing him for good, they influenced him for evil. It is no wonder that God took the kingdom away from him. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 11 through 12, it states that, Therefore the Lord, the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tell the, tell the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. So once Solomon has started doing all this, once he started intermarrying with so many women, and then he starts uh, building uh, worship centers for all these women, for their pagan gods, the Lord gets really mad at him. The Lord is truly, truly angered with Solomon. And right here in chapter 11 and verses 11 through 13, it states exactly what's going to happen to Solomon. But he tells them right then and there that because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, again, here it is again, you did not follow what I told you to do. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. But he's not going to do it. He told him, I'm not going to do it while you're still alive. I'm going to take it away from your son. Because once you pass away, once you die, once you die, your son is going to become king. And once that happens, that's when I'm going to split the kingdom up. Okay? So in conclusion here, what we're looking at is compromise might be fine in politics and settlement. But when it comes to honoring and obeying God, compromise is deadly. Solomon discovered the severe consequences of compromise. His problem was not ignorance, but rebellion. He knew better, but did not do it better. And we have that each and every day in our lives. We're always compromising in one way or another. We're compromising at work. We're compromising at home. Sometimes we're even compromising here at church. And those are the type of compromises that we need to be careful that we don't go and do exactly what Solomon did. Okay? We want to stay on that path. We want to be able to keep the Lord's statutes. We want to be able to obey the Lord's commandments. So here, to close out, what we have here in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 17, it states, again, drawing closer to God, therefore to him, 
who knows to do good and does not do it, to him is sin. It's telling them right then and there. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Okay? So it's one of those deals where we're out doing something and it's like, oh gosh, Lord, I sinned. But guess what? We try to hide it. We can't hide it from God. Who are we? We, we can't do that. Who, are we, who do we think we are that we're trying to hide something from the Lord? Solomon tried to do it. Look what happened to him. Even David tried to do it. Okay? As far as what David did. The difference. But the difference here, if you notice that once you start reading 1 Kings, once you start reading 1 Kings, and if you're going through this entire study, you're looking at it, and all the things that Solomon did that were not right by the Lord, it did not mention one time where he did repent. Okay? If you look at it real closely, he did not repent of one single sin that he had. Again, we're looking at Solomon as a person that was wise because he had that great wisdom that the Lord had given him, but then he was a fool because of the things that he did as far as the women turning him away from the Lord. Now, if we look at his father David, we can see the difference there. We can see that David did, if not worse, worse things than what Solomon did, okay? Murder, adultery, and whatever else that we can think of here, right? Murder and adultery. I mean, those are just two of the major ones right then and there. The Lord could have just wiped David out right then and there. But what was the difference here between Solomon and David? David asked for forgiveness. David repented of his sins, and he asked for forgiveness. And that's all we can do as well, too. When something happens, the only thing that we can do is ask for forgiveness. But at the same time, we cannot keep repeating that same sin over and over again. Okay, because after a while, the Lord's going to be like, oh, dude, enough. Enough. You know, something's got to give here. Okay. So the result was that he lost God's blessing. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9, So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. God became very angry with him of what the things that he had done. And at the end it says that he had appeared to him twice. Appeared to him twice how? It appeared to him twice in a dream. Okay? The first one was for what? That he, he asked Solomon, ask whatever you want, and I'm going to give it to you. The second one was for what? Of the things he was doing. It's like, dude, man, it's like, what are you doing? Wake up. Again, I keep repeating myself to you, but you're not listening. Follow my statutes. Follow my commandments. Follow my judgments. I don't know how many times he said it in this chapter, but did Solomon listen? Did he get it through his head? No. By that time, the 1,000 women had turned his heart from the Lord. And the Lord told him right then and there, the kingdom is going to be split. Okay? I'm going to split this kingdom away from you. You know, many can be dragged down by the compromise of one. Under no circumstances should we compromise with sin. Should not compromise with sin at all. Instead, we need to seriously contend for the faith and never have fellowship with the works of darkness. 
In Jude chapter 3, it talks about the dangers of false teachers. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Again, it's talking about the believer and the non-believer. And then we're also talking about, the, about the, the false teachers that are out there. There are so many out there in the world right now. So many. You know, and this, is, and this is the time where we actually need to be exercising that right, where we need to be testing the spirit. We need to be looking at our Bibles and, and telling us, okay, what, what exactly is this guy talking about? Is it in the Bible? I was talking to a, Bible, uh, a brother not too long ago, and, and he was telling me, you know, he goes, I'm a new believer. But when people start talking to me, it's like, where is it in the Bible? Show me. And it's, it's a very great thing. It's a very good thing to do. If you're not sure, have that person show you in the Bible. Where exactly is it? Because nowadays, with so many false teachers out there, they could turn your heart away from the Lord and have you going in a totally different direction. And finally, to finish out, as far as it talks about, I talked about as far as uh, have fellowship with the works in the darkness, is we want to be able to live in the light. In Ephesians 5.11, it says, and to have fellowship with the unfruitful of the works, but rather expose them. Do we go up there and automatically, you know, do we, do we actually tell them it's like, this is false? Of course we do. You know, we, we don't want to embarrass them in front, of, in front of everybody else and stuff. But at the same time, show them in the Bible where it is. Show them in the Bible where it's got the right scripture where it says, you know, whatever it is that they're, that they're talking about. And this is so important nowadays as far as what we're doing in this world, what's happening in this world, as far as so many false teachers out there, so much false advertisement out on the Internet, out on the TV. Oh, don't get me started on the TV. As far as all these evangelists out there, it's like, send me $125 and you're going to have blessings for your entire life. It's like, why do I need to send you $125? It's like, why don't I just pray to God and he's going to be able to bless me? See, these are the type of things that we need to be watchful for. These are the type of things where we need to open up our eyes in our lives nowadays. Going forth, not to be like Solomon, but to be that light in the world. To be able to evangelize to one another. To be able to fellowship with the believers. To be able to just go out and hang out and, and, and have a cup of coffee with one another and, and, and Talk about the Bible. I mean, there's times where we just, I mean, it doesn't have to be here and stuff. You know, you could just go to cross the street, you know, down to Whataburger or wherever it is. Or some of you guys like Starbucks. You can go to Starbucks and, you know, spend your five bucks on a cup of coffee, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So anyway, just, you know, it's that fellowship time, that time that we have with one another to be able to be that light in this dark world that we're in, okay. So guys, I just want to thank you so much for allowing me to come before you this morning, or I'm sorry, morning time, I'm still thinking morning, uh, to, this evening, and just thank you so much for, for allowing me to give this word. And I hope this study tonight is, is something that'll, that'll, that'll be in the back of your mind as far as, you know, can, can what happened to Solomon, can this happen to me? Probably is not as in-depth as Solomon because some of us guys don't have a thousand wives. We better not. <laughs> so, you know, we, we should be content with the one that we have, you know, and, 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 and hopefully that we're both, that we're both believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But